welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host as always, Stephen Murphy. We're joined by the two rugby crew of Jonathan West and Sam Erdale. Erdale? Erdale. Whatever your last name yeah, is. I love, that uh, I love that it's Sam when it clearly says Corey on the screen. Oh, oh no! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting to say that for so long. You've been rinsed. You've been rinsed. How do you change that, Yoke? Uh, uh, don't worry, it's too late. Everyone knows your girlfriend's name now. So you're screwed. <laughs> um, yeah, you got a girlfriend. What a loser. Uh, lads, it's a fantastic day to talk some rugby. We had two decent games. Well, two good games at the weekend. Uh, a okay. massive okay. Irish squad announcement today for the Six Nations, which was, you know what, lads, it, w- it wasn't controversial, there wasn't really many talking points. We'll probably just touch on it for two minutes and move on, like everything else. Yeah. But we That's will what Twitter's st- been doing all day. That's oh, Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> From like 10 to 11 a.m. this morning, I was just on Twitter. I wasn't working at all. Um, and then there's all the, ex-pro- all the ex-pros with the, like, throwing petrol on the fire being like nothing really wrong with this squad and you're like oh, oh. Driscoll yeah Driscoll was like oh I'm sure there's lots of negativity around the squad like making fun of it it was like yeah there is Brian you should really he's had, a, <laughs> he's had a peculiar kind of couple of weeks with Twitter though that that weird Sexton thing as well where he was like defending a, a very weird thing for sex like it's like we know Sexton's a good captain it doesn't need to be brought up for the most minimal of reasons like that's nothing to do with for kicking <laughs> a score basically yeah, yeah, like it was so strange, but sure. But uh, we will start with uh, Munster Leinster, which was on Saturday night. Uh, was uh, a good game, but again, we Leinster come out on top and get the win. But Munster let another amazing opportunity sort of slip through their fingers to beat Leinster, uh, which is a real shame. But Munster started well, Westy, good physicality, uh, good aggression, get out. Ty Burns scores a nice try early on. Are, are you sitting at home thinking this is it? Munster's going to do it. Yeah, I think um, around the half-time mark, probably just before that second Johnny Sexton penalty, I kind of was thinking, Jesus, this is, you know, this is a month's performance that will do it because they had kind of really pulled Leinster into, into a monster game. It was very physical, real arm wrestle. Like, I've seen some criticism on it, like, from pundits over the last kind of 48 hours about it. Like, but, like, okay, maybe it's not a game for the casual fan, but, like, I, I couldn't look away from the screen for 80 minutes, really. Like, it was... Uh, like it was head to head it was like such small margins again you look back a couple of penalties go a different way and you know it was an opportunity there to be taken from Munster oh I wasn't going to bring it up until later on but uh, <laughs> as someone who hasn't been a JJ Hanratton fan for quite a while now uh, again two penalties that have been missed one was not not easy by any accounts but it's incredible how it swings in the game like you know right in the stroke of half time JJ Hanran has a penalty to go 13-3 up into half time. Uh hits the post, Lancer come down, uh get a penalty in the pretty much the exact same spot on the other side of the field. Sexton nails it. It's then 10-6 at half time. Then JJ misses a sitter pretty much in the first few minutes of the second half, uh which was really easy to a really sitter for him. And if he hits them both they get the 16 points and Leinster win this game without reaching 16 points. And it is those kind of margins that we've been sort of insult. Not uh, we've been criticizing JJ for for a long time now, and it just seems to be a regular thing. Sam, like, do you know where I'm coming from? That was that's tough as a Munster fan to keep seeing that. Yeah, uh, it's it's a familiar enough feeling for us Connacht fans because you know, like, be it his, his open play ability, I'm not like I, I don't rate him too highly, but uh, it's not really what's in question. Is in question is his mentality. Uh, and that clutch kicking thing, and if you're if you're relying on your ten as the kicker, which most teams do, not all teams, like you know, Ulster are different. Uh, some people get other people to kick, but if you are relying on your ten as your kicker, those clutch kicking points they're they're so so important. Uh, and missing those kickable ones can just be absolutely demoralising for fans and teams. Uh, the the swing from the miss at on the stroke of half time, you know, hitting the post and then Leinster marching down and getting their own score, it. It swung the game completely in terms of what they were. They would have gone in. Was it sixteen six up or sixteen three up? I can't even remember what. They would have been. Exactly. They would have been sixteen three up if he had a kick. It would have been sixteen three up instead of ten six. Instead of how how did they go in then at the halftime? I'm just so they would have been ten six. So they were ten six up at halftime. So they would have been thirteen. Yeah, they were up at halftime. Thirteen three up. But then if JJ kicks the penalty in the second half early on, they would have been sixteen yeah, three up. Then they get up to sixteen. Yeah. So it's like that. Those are the sort of moments. Uh, both kickable kicks. Uh, you know, like obviously some kicks are more difficult than it 
comes across to us on watching on TV and stuff. But I think that you really want to be relying on your kickers for those sort of kicks. And that's, that's the sort of stuff that will, that will bring him down in the view in the eyes of like international selectors. And I don't think in the long run, he's really Munster's starting 10. Uh, I think, you know, in the long, long run, it might be Healy. It might not, you know, see how he develops. But uh, I think that the Munster fans are all praying to God that Carberry can come back fitter and stronger and stay in that team because he's, you just don't have, they don't have the confidence in him. Uh, and it's moments like that, that really lose that confidence that you can have in players. Like he's, he's had good games and there's plenty of Munster fans that like him, but there's plenty of Munster fans that liked Keatley as well. Like, or not, uh, yeah, Keatley. And it's just, if you're missing kicks like that, it's just, you can't rely on them. Yeah, exactly. And as you said, open play, he's, you know, really good player and all that, but it just seems to be when it comes down to the, the big moments, he just seems to, shy away from them possibly but Westy I remember looking at the clock at one stage I think it was 65 minutes in the game and I was I looked up at the scoreboard expecting Munster to be so far ahead and there were only four points up they they dominated a lot of this game but they just couldn't seem to get over the line again is that them failing to convert or is that just good defense from the Leinster team well I think I think first off you have to say that the Leinster defense was very good the only the only thing better was probably Ty Byrne i.e. the Munster defence. Um, no, I think, I think it maybe is kind of, probably is Munster maybe not taking the opportunities they had. Like, like they didn't score in the second half. And I've said it before, like, you're not going to win a game by going half an hour without scoring points. Like, it's, it is a numbers game. It's about keeping that scoreboard ticking over, especially against a team like Leinster. You know, it can be so dangerous. Like, they scored a try out of nothing, really. Now, that was some great play from the players involved, but it was, you know, I would say it was very against the run of play, even the fact it was quite free-flowing with a lot of offloads. Like, that wasn't a game that was being played. Um, so I just think, yeah, maybe one or two... Okay, we talked about the kicks already, that, that one at halftime particularly because it's a six-point swing. And then, you you know, a big difference going into the resting rooms with, you know, no points on the board. Uh, Leinster would have been no points on the board had, had they not got that penalty. Um, but, yeah, I think probably a bit of... Game management getting away from Munster a little bit. I think they probably had a very specific game plan, which was to turn it into a dogfight. Um, but they weren't kind of able to break away from that uh, when they probably should have. Yeah, and it's you mentioned Ty Byrne again. He had just an incredible game of turnovers that he has absolutely no right of winning. Sam, you brought up a good point today in our WhatsApp group. He keeps being called small for international level or undersized when... Everything we see with him at Munster, he's the opposite. He's a man mountain. He's physical. He's you know incredible at the turnover. Why is it? Why is he called undersized? Why? Or but in fairness, it, he hasn't stood up like that in a green jersey. Are we expecting him to take that next step now with the Six Nations? Uh, I definitely think he has the ability to. I I don't understand why he would be criticised for not being uh, big enough unless the game plan you want to impose is to have a, a, a one-up runner second row and not have the all the other skills that he brings to the game, the turning over ability, good hands. You know, he's, he's not small. Like, he's definitely not a small man. He looks, he always looks one of the biggest on the pitch. So I don't understand how people are saying he's not big enough for international. Interestingly enough, I'm actually reading a book at the moment about the All Blacks and the history of New Zealand rugby. And one of the things that there was, the person who wrote it, who's from New Zealand, was criticising the Northern Hemisphere about was how... Uh, there's way too much emphasis on size and way too en- much emphasis on like being a brute. Uh, and they they talked about how France's decline in the last kind of 10 years up until two years ago was due to the fact that they stopped playing rugby and started just having big smash players and overemphasizing on size, especially in that second row and in the centers. And I think that that's kind of one of the things is I think this is a narrative that your second rows have to be po- like the biggest possible person and that their entire job is to just be big. And I think that Tron, uh, or that Ty Byrne is the type of player that just he kind of refutes that, and he's like, you might not necessarily be as big as from, um, big and brutish as maybe an English second row would be, uh, or a South African second row would be, but he has so much to offer that I don't think that you can say, oh, he's not big enough for international rugby. I think you have to change your mentality about what you want from a second row because himself and Ryan, and then with like the likes of Baird coming in, uh, obviously being biased, like Alton and uh, Quinn and. Gavin Thornbury, I think there's a lot of really good second rows, but I think he is definitely head and shoulders above all of them in terms of what he can bring from turnover point of view. The last two weeks, the Connacht match and the Leinster match, he was just unstoppable on the ground. Uh, 
And it's something that you, I, you can't pay enough for that on an international pitch. To get the ball back, to win the ball is more important, I think, than to be able to go an extra yard off the base of a rock or off the base of a uh, kind of a slow ball play. And they're never, they're never in the Two middle. Of those of, turnovers are literally on the try line. As well. I was going to say yeah, they're, they're just, never in yeah, the middle of the field. They're always a kind of game on the try line. There was two in that Leinster game on the try line. He just he's like middle field. I'm not even going to bother going for it. There's no point. Um, yeah, Leinster. It's not like he's, he's not a small guy, as you say. He doesn't look out of place anywhere. I think, as Sam said, like we're looking for an enforcer. And I think it's one of the things that keeps the likes of Quinn Roo, you know, getting uh, picked is because he is a kind of he's that kind of brutish South African second rows you know they're built somewhere in a factory I don't know in Johannesburg I'm not sure where they come from um, you know John Klein but a similar kind of player as well um, but I think like people the idea would be that issue with uh, Devin Toner and he was in no way an enforcer like people are still calling for him to be in the Irish squad and Ty Burns far more effective in every aspect of the game except for being 6'10 <laughs> that's a skill Sam it's a skill <laughs> um, learned that one from the best <laughs> yeah yeah Westy, we've seen with Leinster, they haven't, again, they didn't have a good 80 minutes here. They haven't played a really good 80 minutes in a long time, but they have the capability with the firepower they have for that Larmer try where it's a, a bit of a spark of brilliance for Ross Byrne between Keenan and Larmer to finish it off. Are Leinster fans, should they be worried that we haven't seen a really good 80 minutes in a long time? Um, Yeah, but they haven't lost them. Yeah, I know. You know yeah. I, I'd agree with you. It's kind of like, like Let's go back to what we were saying about the Crusaders. We said the exact same thing about the Crusaders in the Super Rugby. They seem to just be getting through games in third and fourth gear for a lot of time and eking out the win. Um, Leinster are kind of a similar thing. They haven't had to kind of turn on the afterburners really in any game so far. So, I mean, like, first off, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But you would be a little bit nervous because you haven't seen anything that would say that if you have to play Saracens again in the European Cup final you don't have anything new really to bring to that game. It's going to probably going to be the same fallout as it was before. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Munster side of things, how devastating of a loss was this for Munster fans? Cause you know, it was built up all week that this is the chance Munster really have a good chance here because of Leinster's kind of, you know, shaky enough starts and Munster having in good form. And then to lose like that without really, after scoring the 10 points to not score again, uh, was which is really tough. Like, how tough would that be, Westy, for those monster fans? Is that, how bad of a loss is that? I think I think mentally it's it's pretty tough because even again, and correct me if I'm wrong, but during the summer when they played, it was a relatively similar affair where like Munster were kind of there thereabouts for most of the game. I think in a lot of ways that can be a lot more you know detrimental than kind of losing by a try or two because if you lose by a try or two, you go right, lads, it wasn't our day, fair enough. But a game like that, you'll yeah, Munster will beat Leinster at some point in the next three or four years. But the sooner that floodgate cracks, the sooner like Munster are going to be genuine title contenders in the comp- in the Pro 12 or whatever it's called, the Pro 17, 18, 19. Pro, pro Infinite. infinite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in European rugby, they're going to have to get this kind of monkey off their back, as they say. Um, and the longer it goes on as well, the more it'll be. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. What do you think, Sam? Munster, a, a, a tough loss? Yeah, they'll be really, really annoyed uh, by it. I think that they were, you know, I was looking at it, I was watching it going, oh, this is Munster's game all day. Uh, but the fact that they let Leinster stay in the game, and Leinster def- defended brilliantly, but the fact that they let Leinster stay in the game and give them the opportunity to snatch the win will be something they'll be really annoyed about. And it's also something that, you know, Connacht were one bad decision away from doing the same two weeks ago. They they. They didn't put the foot on the throat when they were clearly in control of either game. Uh, and that's something that they will really rue. Like, they'll really, really regret that because Connacht, Connacht were a bad decision against 13 men away from snatching a victory in a game that Munster had looked like controlling most of the game because they defended really well. And it was the same with Leinster. So maybe they lack a little bit of imagination uh, in order to build up the scores because they, you know, without Hanneran kicking, they needed maybe another score or two on the ground and it didn't come. Uh, and then... You're, you're never going to be right off. Like, I think Leinster could go, like much like Crusaders in the Super Rugby, I think Leinster could go into the last 10 minutes of any game and turn over a deficit of 15, 20 points. Like, they have that ability. They have that amount of skill. Like, if you're looking at a back line with Larmer, Sexton, Henshaw, Keane, and, like, McGrath, like, people on the bench as well, like the Gibson Parks or uh, whoever else you want, even the Ron Kellehers, there's so much talent there and there's so much athletic ability. I think that 
like if you're if Leinster are within touching distance in the last 10 minutes they'll bank on their ability their kind of experience of winning their superior athleticism their their superior benches I think that all those things are just like you know you really need to just shut them out you need to have them killed by 50 60 minutes or I think Leinster will back themselves to win each time uh, and Munster are definitely going to regret that it's a big issue for the league you know I know Connacht beat Leinster but the fact that Leinster look like they can kind of still really not get out of third gear and not be tested like they were tested a little bit there but you know the league wants to kind of prove itself but Leinster will go into a semi-final or a final in Europe against a team that plays more competitive in France or in England and they'll get beaten because they're not being tested enough and that's being reflected in Irish performances the last year or two as well I think so uh, I don't know how you how you what you do to remedy that but it's not great for the league to watch Leinster kind of walk through games and still manage to grab a winning try away in their biggest rivals stadium like yeah look at you know when you play Leinster you can't leave any points on the on on the table and they did that and they regret it um so but we'll move on uh, after a tough loss from Munster Connacht Ospreys which is on Sunday at 3 o'clock this was one of the most frustrating games I think we've watched all year in terms of you know for, for fans of Connacht uh, and Connacht, Connacht, Connacht rugby kind of is summed up at the moment in the sense, sentence that they played flawlessly against Leinster and Betham and then yesterday far from flawless and lost to uh, to Ospreys. This this game was the, the first half. We'll talk about the first half first. Connacht started very well. You know, open few minutes, a lot of physicality, a lot of aggression. Really, really started with intent. Uh, but then get turned over and Ospreys goes up and score. Nice try uh, by North in the corner, lovely hands. Uh, Connor Fitzgerald, who was getting started at 10, really started quite shakily. A lot of uh, passes that weren't really on that he tried, a few kicks that weren't really on. Uh, he kind of got settled later in the game. But like Westy, Connacht, uh, watching the first half, you were pretty confident, I would say, especially going into half time, getting that try on the, on the stroke of half time. That second half, they would go, in, go on and push on and get the win. Yeah, and I, I don't know if I, I definitely said it a couple of times to people um, at half time. I was like, we're ahead, but we don't deserve to be ahead. Like, God knows how we're actually ahead because we weren't playing it. We weren't really taking our chances. And again, like the first try came from a beautiful, like, pickup of a loose ball uh, between Wooten and Fitzgerald and, you know, resulted in like a great, a great try by all accounts, but like very much, I say, against the run of play. The other try came a little bit smarter, big boiler breaking over uh, off the back of a scrum. Like, I don't know, like, I just, I, I kind of thought that, right, we're ahead, but we don't really deserve it. Like, there'll be a stern talk into a change room. Like, we're lucky to be ahead. Let's start playing a bit smarter, tighten up, and we'll see this game out. Uh, and that's the exact opposite of what we did. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good, <laughs> yeah, Sam, that first half, do you agree, Westy, sort of ahead, but not really playing that well? Uh, to an extent, I agree. I, I do think that it was much like kind of a conversation we had about the Munster match where I think Connacht, just because they're not playing beautifully cohesive, free-flowing, attacking rugby doesn't mean that we weren't, like, outside of that try, weren't extremely good in defence in the first half. Like, the, the, the defensive mall aside, I think that we our structure was brilliant, our tackling was great. We forced errors, you know, really up sharp. Uh, I thought Rob and... Uh, Rob and Daly in the centre were aggressive and physical and I thought that we kind of shut them out uh, and capitalised and managed to get ourselves ahead. I don't think we were spectacular by any sense of imagination, but I, like, I, wouldn't be, like, I wouldn't be kind of saying we didn't deserve to be ahead. I don't, I don't think we deserved to be that far ahead, but I think that we played it. We had a smart game plan and one try aside, we were, kind of, we were good. We were, def- we were defending well and that kept us in the game. Uh, and that's kind of similar to... We defended well against uh, Ulster and Leinster and Munster in the last few weeks. I think defensively we've looked pretty good. Uh, but like Westy said, I think that there was another gear that we definitely could have stepped up into. And I thought that the, the halftime ability to analyse what was going wrong on attack, uh, get a little bit of cohesion, you know, uh, new centre pairing might have been an issue there. But I think I thought we'd see a bit more kind of control in the game from an attacking point of view in the second half and it didn't come uh, and we just kind of kind of ended up capitulating really uh, it, there looked like frustration all over the pitch in the second half it was it was quite distressing to watch you know like I didn't agree with a lot of things that happened with the ref I don't blame the ref for the loss but I blame him for a lot of things that couldn't get going there was some questionable calls around the scrum there was about five minutes of time spent like even the girlfriend was watching going 
this is so boring because we watch five minutes of scrums being reset and refs saying really weird things to like Jared Butler asked what to do and he got snapped at by the ref. We were very unprofessional. And then there was like times when he said use it and didn't penalize and times when the scrum was clearly being dominated and he just let it reset. So it was, the whole thing was very stop start. It was very hard to kind of watch and it was frustrating one to come away from, especially because it was a strong Ospreys team. And I know we weren't great, but they, that strong Ospreys team was there for the taking, even on a bad day, which is something that you could be quite proud of Connacht for getting to a position where they can have an off day and still only be, you know, that one or two non-missed tackles or better decisions made and you'd be beating a good, strong Ospreys team. Like, There's a I worrying think- trend that we have. Sorry to jump into that. There's a worrying trend that we have of, like, you say the defence been solid, but, like, this game and the Bristol game, it definitely happened earlier in the season as well. We can see tries when we're playing against 14 men. Like, I don't know what happens. Like, we think it's going to be easy and just massive gaps open up all over the place. Like, how did we have a two-man overlap against 14 men? It was ridiculous, like. Yeah, it's, uh, it is. It's, it's frustrating. I think more like, I think defensively, I'm not saying that we're perfect. I think there's still open field missed tackles and there's still kind of mistakes like that. But I think that from going to Connacht games last five, six years, from watching them, from watching like the, the highs of Pat Lamb to the lows of Kieran Keane, I think that the defensive structure has definitely, to me, looked like it's developing into something that has an idea because I thought we were completely out of ideas a year and a half, two years ago in terms of defense. We were all over the place all the time and tries were being scored for fun. Whereas I think that even in a game where we weren't good, like let's just, you know, we weren't very good. We were still in with a chance of beating a very strong Ospreys team. Uh, we were still, you know, dominating breakdowns and tackles at points as well. Like, and that, that's something I think that is definitely working on and being worked on, but it is, it's disappointing to throw away another opportunity there because an Ospreys win or a Munster win in the last two weeks, and we would have been re- sitting really pretty in the league table uh, and the league table would have looked very good for us. So, Quite disappointing game. Uh, I thought there was a few decent. Uh, I thought there was a few decent performances from a couple of players. It was good to see Boyle back. Thought he linked up well with Marmion. Kind of, he was quiet enough, but he did, he did well. And I thought Oliver was good again. Uh, I've been very impressed with him. Uh, and I think Gavin Thornbury will get onto the Irish team, but I think he could actually feel quite aggrieved that you know two of his Connacht team are ahead of him in the Irish squad, where I think he definitely has been probably the best of the second rows in Connacht for a good year and a half now. Yeah, 100%. But getting back to the kind of thing, I think though, Sam, the attitude of like, you know, where it's great to be still within a shout at the end of the game and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I think he's have to, kind of have to start moving on from that. Like, these are not, sometimes you get bad off the pitch and that's fair enough, but these aren't games that kind of are getting bad off the pitch and it's mental errors or small errors that are stopping kind of getting these wins. Like, if Connacht had a bit more. Like when they when they look when they're in playing, especially going forward, they look like everything's panicky. I was I was saying these in the WhatsApp. Everything looks like, you know, it's quick ball and it's sort of like, oh, let's try this, let's try this, rather than here's a clear plan, here's what we're doing, a bit of calmness about them. And I thought maybe Marmion coming back into the starting lineup would sort of calm things down, but it didn't really. But they look kind of rudderless. They look kind of there's not much leadership going on. And we saw that later on when you know Big Papa came on and he really made an impact early physically, but. Connacht win a penalty where they need a score and he, he taps and goes from the halfway line where like I feel like some some sort of leader like Bundy or Marmion or if if Carter's on the pitch maybe he would do it but say like put the ball down let's kick to the corner or something here like tap and go is a bit again panicky it's not it's more of a, a an instant reaction to doing something rather than we know what the system is here the worst part of that is it's not an instant reaction. It's a good 10 seconds after the penalty is given. Yeah. Ospreys are back on side. There's nothing really to gain from them doing it. And nobody else seems to know that that's what's happening either. Yeah, yeah the support is lacking to get there because they're like, I can't believe he's gone. <laughs> it, it looks to me very very much like a, a rugby league set play that he just kind of, just almost like a brain fart, to be honest, because I thought he was good other than that when he came on. He oh, he's positive. brilliant. He came on, he, he nails someone early. Like, he, but, you know, he's that physicality that kind of, you're lacking sometimes. He was brilliant. But, you know, small men, like mental errors like that is what caused... Connor could have had the last month wins over Bristol, uh, Munster, Ulster and Leinster. But it's they killed themselves. You know what I mean? So I think yeah, to, and- to get to that next level of the Munsters and Leinsters, they have to be called out. Like, you've seen Leinster, Caelan Doris give away a stupid penalty... Uh, where he, you know, he just he sort of stood there and gave away a penalty for JJ's penalty at the end. And Scott Vardy, you can see in the TV, he's eating ahead of him. He's giving out to him, being like, "That was ridiculous." 
I don't, is that is that in Connacht? Are, are these like calls? Are these stupid decisions being called out by other players in the team? I don't know. Like it, it's you, you would have to look at your leadership group. You'd hope that they are. Uh, you'd hope that there's enough experience there that they are. Uh, I just got like I'm just kind of clarify what I'm saying. Like I'm I'm very very disappointed with all of those losses, like you've said. But if I'm looking at it from a point of view of having looked up the hill that we had to walk up. We're now at that last little bit. And I think that those small errors, that leadership, that that can be taught, I think. But, you know, there was a lot, lot further to go a couple of years ago. And we're now at the last bit. And it's those tiny little margins that allow you to beat Munster and Bristol and Ospreys. That is a good tiny little margin to have considering where we were coming out of the back here in Keane. And I think that, you know, if Friendy signs on again, the good that we've seen him do climbing up the first three quarters of the hill, I think that he can get us over that. I think players like Arnold and Oliver and Boyle and they're bring and even Wooten are coming in with experience. This season has been very stop starty. Like you have Peter Robb playing his first game, having looked like he trained about twice. You know, Tom Daly's had about six different center partnerships. Fitzgerald's playing his first game, having come back from a long injury. Like I think that this season has been so stop starty that that cohesion's not really there. But I do genuinely believe that you've seen a lot of positives coming out of it. Uh, I'm not trying to make excuses for the losses. What I'm saying is from a point of view, like, I don't think we're that far off. We've gone toe-to-toe with some of the bigger teams. And if you look at the league table, there's such a, like a massive gap between the top three uh, and ourselves and Ospreys and then the rest kind of underneath. I think that we are kind of the ones, ourselves and Ospreys are the ones that look like that they can make that step up and it doesn't seem too far away. Whereas I'm looking at Edinburgh at the moment, uh, the Italian teams are a farce. Cardiff, I don't think, like Dragons, I don't think any of them look like they're anywhere near making a step up. That's why I'm saying I'm still positive. Uh, and I think that, like, I know he made a mistake, but I think a Boyle in the next few years will be that type. He's an Irish underage captain. He'll be the type that, like you said, Fardy reefing someone out of it. But he's just too young to kind of do it yet. I think that you might have Bundy on the pitch. Maybe he'd be the type to do it, you know, but he's only coming back from an injury. So it's it's, it's quite stop-starty. It's quite disappointing, the fact that we've thrown away a few games that, you know, you'd look at beforehand going mad and getting a win against them. And that is unfortunate, but I firmly believe that if, like Friendy is does sign on like he said that he wants to for another few years that that development is coming and that that team I really like the look of the team uh, I like kind of the way that we look like we're going and the way we look like we're going about it because we are you know it's it's sounds like an excuse but it's hard with the resources you have to build a competitive team and we're stepping up to the Leinsters and Munsters and Ulsters Bristols and Rassings in the last few weeks that's a positive way to look at it like I do think that you have to be positive about it yeah no I agree Westy what is your take um Kind of agree with something Sam said there. I think I said to you guys earlier as well. Like, I I don't see kind of enough cohesion in the team. Like, our best moments are in broken play. They're kind of like we how many intercept tries have we scored this season? Like, our I I thought our open space tackling. I thought our first time tackling was very poor against Ospreys. But we're making those scramble defense tackles, and you know we're saving ourselves once kind of play you know breaks up a little bit. And I think it's interesting. The point that COVID raises is like we did have a lot of players come into the squad last year. You know, the likes of Connor Oliver, Wooten, Sullivan, uh, even Papalini coming off the bench. Like these are all like brand new players in the squad. And I think maybe, however, maybe the training setups are just because it's not a normal season. Joe, you know, these lads probably can't hang out together as much as you'd like to. Maybe that's a kind of factor that's just stopping us from from really kind of getting that like cohesiveness that we need. And like the, the, the shining example of is the fact that we cannot hold a defensive mall together. Yeah, that's a good point. That has been a, a constant throughout. And even with Thornbury back in, with Rue, Delan, whatever whatever the personnel, it seems to be the same issue that it just can't. Even the scrum, the scrum in the first half was dominant. They were winning penalties galore. And in the second half, they, they lose a scrum penalty to seven men. And it just seems to, again, that doesn't seem, that's not physical. I think that, uh, as you said, Wes, that has to be something else going on. Because that's just, that's not right. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And I think, I, again, as I said, I'm, I'm chalking some of it down to new faces and uncertainty and, you know, l- lack of rhythm for the season. But, you know, as you said, like in the last two months, we could have beaten Racing, we could have beaten Bristol, we could have beaten Munster. I'd say the only one there we kind of deservedly lost was probably the Ulster game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, Munster... Munster was yeah, Munster yeah, as well, was, kind yeah, of yeah. But I know, it's, but like, but I mean, I just, just for this, I just leave out the Munster one because we were literally on the line against thirty men and could have won it. Yeah, but again, that brings up the point of small errors in decision making, and you know, it's we're uh, obviously upon reflection, they're easy decisions to make. Obviously, in the, the moment's different. And Sam, you are right; it's 
it is a positive thing that you are that close to that level but obviously it is frustrating at the same time that it's you know you would think fairly basic decision making or like a mall defence these boys are professional rugby players who have you know are more than capable of being good at a defensive mall it's just something isn't clicking so it is it's, it's isn't positive clicking. and frustrating at the same time our defensive mall has been an issue all season uh, Osprey's also like from looking at their fan twitter uh, mall seems to be the thing that they like hang their hat on being good at as well so it was probably something that Osprey's go you know we're very good and they're struggling very badly at so let's like really knuckle down on this I think the likes of uh, Papa Lee and I know he's injured as well, but Paddy McAllister, these are slightly bigger players. Uh, one thing that we've not had in the last few years is a big pack. We've had a skillful, smaller kind of pack. And I think that there's a, there's a kind of, there's a good mix of both there. If you get Papa Lee back in, I think Boyle is a bit of a unit, you know, having Jared Butler back in is kind of a good thing as well. So, you know, you might see an improvement in that, but I think that that just comes, I, I still like heart back again to cohesion uh, to stop starting season to, you know, players in and out with injuries, with COVID, with international calls up. This season is so strange. I think if we can just get through it, to be perfectly honest, uh, and sign on Andy Friend for another three years, hopefully, uh, I think that we can definitely begin to grow because I, I really do see shoots of something very good there. It's just, you know, like you said, it's the small margins that need to be improved, not the big picture stuff. Like if we were where we were under Kieran Keane right now, I'd be very negative, but I'm not. I'm positive because I'm seeing such an improvement the last few years. Yeah, I think if uh, if you're listening to this, tweet Andy Friend and tell him to come on the Master <laughs> of None podcast, and we can discuss this. Uh, we do. I do want to get him on, so uh, do do tweet him. See what he says. Uh, we'll move on. Obviously, the Irish squad was announced today, which was uh, great. If you're you know into making content and podcasts, which is fantastic. So um, we'll not go through obviously the whole squad because that would be boring to listen to. But uh, the major kind of story, story points are uh, from uh, you know people who are actually added to the squad. We've got Tom O'Toole uh, and Craig Casey coming in as uncapped players. Uh, good to see. I'm happy to see Reese Rudder come in. I think that's deservedly over the last. I don't think he was actually great against Munster the other day, but the last two months he's been I think spectacular. Uh, Stuart McCluskey comes back in, which I don't think a lot of people saw coming. Shane Daly kind of keeps his place as well. Uh, Tyke Furlong lads has been added uh, I, would, I think we'll start with Tyke Furlong because I'm a big Tyke Furlong fan don't get me wrong I think he when in form he's one of the few Irish players that would make any team in the world but he has not played in 11 months and now he's back into potentially his first game back being a test rugby match in the Six Nations uh, Westy how do we feel about that? I actually think it's pretty shocking, to be honest. Like, you can't talk about player welfare and then put a player... It'll it'll be a year. It'll have been in a calendar year by the time he actually gets onto the pitch and he hasn't played a game of contact rugby. Like, we don't even have confirmation of when he'll be available. Like, first off, I think the the main problem is, again, his his own welfare. Like, look at what they've done with Dan Levy. They've managed him really well. And there's even people outraged that he's not in the Iron Squad. But I, I'm happy enough because I think he's building quietly in the background and getting back to form. Um, so for Furlong's own protection, I think it's it's a bad decision. You're going to put somebody who hasn't... I don't know how much kind of training he's doing, but it's, kind of training's not the same as playing week-in, week-out rugby, and then you're at another level up to play international rugby. And the other point is that, how can we honestly say that we're going to pick players on form when you pick someone who hasn't played in a year? Like, I know, he's not going to come... It's not going to be like that scene in Space Jam where the professionals lose their talent. Like, it's not going to be that. But, like, you can't guarantee he's going to be at the same level. So how, how are you... Pick, if he starts against Wales, like... I, if I'm Andrew Porter, I'm booking a fight. The front, I'm, I'm gone. I'm like, this is a farce. <laughs> yeah, again, like, this is not a, this is not an anti-Tag Furlong thing. We love Tag Furlong. Love Tag Furlong. But to to expect him to come back to the level he was at is totally unfair on him and everyone around. Like that is. And I hope I'm wrong. I really, really hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I'd exactly. love to see him come back, but it doesn't change the fact it's an awful idea, even if it works. Sam, like, I assume you're in agreement with this. Yeah, I, I was kind of I was happy to see that he was named until I really thought about it and went, no, you know what? It's ridiculous. I saw his name first thing, and you know, obviously, you see Ty Furlong, you go, oh, great, finally he's back because it's something that we've probably been missing is Ty Furlong's ability. But and like, then you're like, it's you know, not 2018, it's 2021. But, but then, like, you know, if you're if you're looking at if you're looking at his own welfare, yeah, maybe he's been completely signed off by all the physios in the world that he'll be okay, and that's oh, that's fine. The Irish team are more privy to that information than we are. But you cannot in any way equate that to ability on the pitch. And he's a year off. He's going to be rusty. He's going to, like, he hasn't properly scrummed against, like, you know, a league standard front row, let alone a, an international standard front row. 
Like I, th- I think that it's such a big risk, even if you can guarantee his fitness, which, you know, you can't. But I just think it's such a big risk to play a player that has zero minutes in a year at any level. It's crazy. I think it's crazy. I, I really don't understand the thinking behind it. And I think that the message it sends to every other player in the country, regardless of your ability, you pick on form. And like, you know, Ty Furlong on his day is Ty Furlong on his day. We know how good he is. But there are players that are playing week in, week out in his absence that aren't being picked now. And what are they going to say? They're going to turn around and be like, what's the feckin' point? Like, you know, it's you can't. There's no way that we can walk out. An Irish management team can now walk out and say that they're picking on form because it's just been completely proven with that, with that and about three other selections that they're not picking in any way on form and that they're picking yes maybe the best players for position but these players isn't like you need to be playing games to be on form like Tyke Furlong might not be the Tyke Furlong we know but it's also like if it was a position that we were really weak in I'd be like oh I can kind of see it but Andrew Poor has been fantastic like yeah. this is not a, it's not a position where we're incredibly lacking I just it, it it was a real head scratcher for me personally, uh, uh, and I just I hope look I hope, but even they pick a they pick they can pick a new squad after the first two games, right? Well, see how it works is so they go into a COVID confinement bubble now for the first two games, and they can add or remove from the squad. This is how I understand it from what I read today. You can add or remove from that squad after the second game because there's like a two week break, so somebody can leave and somebody else can come in and isolate with the team and. However, that's going to work. Yeah, so sure. even the first two leave Furlong off, and then you know, in a couple of weeks' time, being like, okay, he's actually, you know, really back to full health, and be like, okay, we'll bring him in now or something. To to add him for these first two games was just mind-boggling to me. I um, I wouldn't have been opposed to Ireland adapting the Eddie Jones what he did with his squad for the England thing, and he, himself and the RFU came up with this twenty-eight man squad with a shadow team, and the shadow team are to stay with their clubs, not come into the bubble but know that they're on call. And I wouldn't have been opposed to him being involved in something like that to get games because like there will be games in the interim that he can use to build up ability, strength, natural kind of in-game fitness, all of these things that he's going to be lacking. It's a year since he played. It's crazy. Yeah, 100%. That's the type of, again, hopefully we're wrong and he comes back to his best and we are delighted to see that. The next big omission, obviously, we have to talk about is John Cooney, which if anyone follows me on Twitter will have seen I was quite active today. Uh, in regards to my defence for John Cooney just because I hate the fact that he's not on the team Um, and this is not a slight against Craig Casey this is not a slight against Murray I thought Murray was fantastic against Leinster Uh, and Murray was always going to start I I had accepted that but the thoughts of Cooney coming on and adding to that last 20 minutes possibly in a game where we need a bit of a spark was exciting Cooney has been back on form. Cooney had two games where he wasn't on form, and that was the two games in return after the COVID break. Uh, and people were saying that he'd lost his, you know, he, he'd ruined his opportunity to be back on the Ireland team because of those two games. Whereas Conor Murray, that was his first first good game in two years. Uh, and, you know, that was never in doubt at any stage. The, you know, people are saying on Twitter today that, you know, maybe, maybe Conor Murray can adapt a different style of play, you know, more of a running kind of, kind of play, but. You know, my response to that is, why would you try and mould Conor Murray into that when you have the best scrum half at that in Cooney available to you? And also, by the way, he's an incredible kick kicker as well. So we can take the responsibility off. You know, if we wanted to, wanted to get rid of Sexton, we can bring in maybe a Billy Burns, who's more you know creative at the moment, and leave the kick into Cooney. Uh, and <coughs> Jack Carty. <coughs> Jack, yeah, well, we'll get on to the mission of Jack Carty as well. But uh, Westy, Cooney not making it. Look, I think. Unfortunately, it was to be expected because, unfortunately, he's just not in favour at all with Andy Farrell. But, like, how bad of a decision is this? Or do you think it's a good decision? Well, I think it's a bad decision. I, but, I mean, I wasn't shocked. I actually didn't even notice he wasn't in the team because I was like, oh, well, of course he's not going to be in the team. Like, you know, like, I, I, think, I, I think he deserves to be in the team. I think he is still arguably the best scrum half in the country at the moment. Um and like, but like, what is he like? What has he done? He's done something wrong here. Like, he's not getting picked. Um, as you say, like, he's out of favor. Um, I think, I think the thing that will irk some people is the fact that um, that Casey got in instead of him. When I'm kind of more surprised at Gibson Park, because correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Luke McGrath's been starting for Leinster lately. So you really kind of just, I just think it's a bit bizarre to be honest with you. Now I understand that, like. They've clearly gone for a, here's two reliable scrum halves and here's a young lad who's probably going to get a couple of minutes here and there uh, rather than bringing, like, if you brought Murray, Cooney and Marmy and then you've got, like, three, well, I would say three scrum halves fighting for the position, but that's obviously not the way the RFU see it. 
Yeah, and we have to mention Marmion as well, also, uh, you know, uh, not making a squad. So, that's, you know, you're basically saying, by including Craig Casey, that the second choice Munster scrum half is better than your starting Connacht and Ulster uh, scrum half. So, the, the, you know, the narrative of Ulster and Connacht always being neglected, and Connacht especially, you know, it's, you're not doing much for that narrative by dropping these boys. And it's just, it's, again, Gibson Park, I, I don't mind Gibson Park, I think he's very good. I think he's attacking and creative, which is what I like to see. And Casey can be too. I'm just saying... Casey hasn't won the job yet at Munster, so how can you say that he should be in an Ireland squad? And then the, you know people are throwing the argument like, look at Andy Farrell's looking at twenty twenty three now as a World Cup, but that argument doesn't wash either because you still have Johnny Sexton there <laughs> who will start every game, uh, and it's just you know Keane Healy, and again it's nothing against Keane Healy, but he's not going to be your starting loosehead come the World Cup. At least I fucking hope not. And the same but Keane Healy is the only one I have faith of, of that old guard to make it to the next World Cup because if anybody can do it it's him it's certainly yeah, not Johnny Sexton yeah he's a, he's a robot at this stage but it's just um, uh, you know and so, Sam do you want to speak obviously on Marmion as well because I think he can feel pretty hard done by too yeah I think Marmion can definitely feel hard done by I think Cooney really you know I think at this stage the Irish thing is just looking ridiculous uh, he's quite clearly the most informed scrum half probably the, like I'm going to say you know, on form, he's the best scrum half in Ireland. Uh, I I personally have Marmion ahead of him on the two of them on form, but I think that what Cooney does for Ulster is like that can't be compared to anyone. Uh, he's absolutely brilliant. But I think if this is the way he's going, if I was him, I would not in any way begrudge him. And if I was an Ulster fan, I wouldn't even begrudge him packing it in and moving to France, where he'll be appreciated as the quote unquote le petit général, which uh, is one of my fucking. Well, what an original phrase, Sam. I yeah, never heard I know, that. Yeah. It's, oh man, but. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think Miami could be hard done by. And I also, I, I don't want to be slating a young lad because Craig Casey has been good for a couple of weeks, uh, you know, and he's played, ahead, not ahead of, uh, but he's, he's been an able replacement for uh, Conor Murray in the last couple of weeks as well when he's been called on. But if you're looking and picking on form and if you really wanted to push that narrative of bringing a young lad, I think that Blade has played, he has been the starter for Connacht for good portions of time when Marmion was out. Uh, with injury and then also when Marmion wasn't on form last year and he's still also quite young so I don't know why you wouldn't bring him into the squad Uh, I think he probably deserves it Uh, I don't like the fact that you can play four or five good games for Munster or Leinster and be instantly in with a chance and you have to genuinely be an absolute world beater at Ulster or Connacht to get in with a chance because I think that's really it's not a good message to send out Obviously, Craig Casey has a big, big future ahead of him. He's very enjoyable to watch. I just don't. I feel that this is a premature selection. Uh, I think that it's a bit, a bit unfair on Cooney, Marmion, Blade. Uh, it's, you know, it's it is what it is. The Gibson Park thing. I prefer him to Luke McGrath. Uh, I think he's a better player. I think Luke McGrath is starting at the moment for Leinster more often than not. But I do think personally, Gibson Park is a better player, uh, and it's quite funny to watch the conflicted Leinster fans be really outraged at Luke McGrath being left out but also like trying to justify Gibson Park being in there because you can only really have one in my opinion like if you are if you are the backup out half or the backup scrum half and they're both Irish qualified surely the the starter has to go but I know it's quite funny watching that kind of conflicted fume on Twitter but yeah exactly and on your point on Cooney going to France 100% go get paid loads of money uh, be the fucking man of the team and show everyone. It'll be another Zebo situation being like, oh, why can't we get Cooney back? And he'll be like, no, fuck you. He's had your chance. You know, I'm, <laughs> go go ahead, Cooney. Get some nice suntan and fucking, I don't know, wherever, the south of France. Do whatever you want. Enjoy yourself. But, uh, uh, but Craig Casey, again, Craig Casey isn't going to play heavy minutes in the Six Nations. He might get a few against Italy, maybe. But, like, come Wales game, he's not going to see the pitch. I'd say he's there. I'd say he's in the squad more for experience than anything else. Like, you know, there's no, you know, Andy Farrell used to name that group of like young lads in the squad to get some exposure. There's none of that this time around. I'd say in Andy Farrell's mind, it's Murray starting Gibbo on the bench. And then Casey is just there for experience in the squad. And again, maybe depending on how he trains, probably could get on against Italy for, for 10 or 15 minutes or hell, I'd fucking start him against Italy if he's going to be in the squad all camp. And actually, 
actually try somebody else as opposed to like, oh, well, Murray's not available, so we guess somebody else to start. Like, <laughs> but this year, this year above all years, that's a silly thing to be doing because now Casey and Murray are both in an international bubble, so not available for Munster. Whereas in the past, you've been coming and going, no problem. But if they're going to be strict about this bubble stuff, we've seen English players refusing to go to the Six Nations and Italian players because of the bubbles. So if they're going to be strict about it, Casey and Conor Murray are both going into a bubble. Like, Munster don't have a start in scrum half now for a while, uh, unless they decide to break the bubble and let Casey stay at Munster. But it's a, it's a strange one. Like, you'd, you'd think that this year above all others is the year to not do that. But Yeah, oh it is. It's, it's, look, again, nothing against Craig Casey. We just think it's a bit premature, personally. Yeah. Um, Jack Carthy, another omission. Um, we kind of some rumors, not rumors, but we kind of speculated that maybe he had already got the nod that he was in the squad because obviously he didn't play uh, this weekend. But that obviously wasn't the case. The, no real word has come out if he was injured, has it? Or unless I missed it. No, there's nothing official said on injured. You know, and Farrell has stated about other injuries, so like there has been a discussion about injuries. Maybe they just forgotten. They're like Jack who? Oh, Carthy. Um, no idea. No idea. Uh, he's been, uh, you know, a mission of him. We we have, uh, I've seen on Twitter, we have James Lowe, Johnny Sexton and Tag Furlong who are still currently listed as injured and not fully healthy and all are in the squad, um, which is weird. It's, Johnny Sexton hasn't played a, a healthy game in God knows how long. He came off injured again at the yeah. weekend. Uh, he'll start against Wales. Like, uh, we're, we're sort of in the Stone Age when we come to selection in Ireland and that doesn't seem to be changing, does it, Westy? No, I think I think like the, the Sexton thing, you know, he went off injured early for Connacht or against Connacht, went off injured early against Munster, he went off injured early in the All Nations Cup. I think, and I, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a hamstring every time. So I just think it's such a wasted opportunity that, like, whatever, like I know he's on his day, he's the best out half in the country. But when did he have his last day? When is the last time he was so clearly way better than everybody else? I'm not saying he did. He had a great game against Scotland there before Christmas. He's had good games, but not times where you're like, oh, like where this lad come from? Do you know? It's just it would have been a great opportunity to leave him off for the Six Nations, or even leave him off for the first two games and say, look, get yourself right, and then let's give you know let Billy Byrne start this one, have Carthy on the bench or Ross Byrne on the bench. I do think Ross Byrne played pretty well when he came on uh, at the weekend, but at the same time, and look, he's had. I'm not, he's had England a few times and they were tough games but like I, I haven't seen anything from Ross Byrne that makes me think he's better than Carthy or Burns if, I, I think Burns has to be your go-to replacement at the minute I would hope that at he's least. starting but I don't think it's going yeah. to happen but uh, and look if you are looking at the 2023 World Cup every minute that Sexton plays is a minute that we're not giving to a potential starter for that World Cup because uh, I, I think everyone understands he's not going to go to that World Cup I don't think Sexton knows that and hopefully Andy Farrell knows that. But, you know, if you're going to argue that point that they are looking ahead, then you can't give him much game time because he's not going to be there. And it's it's just frustrating, again, as, as, a, as a fan, that we are like this, that we're not, like, you know, we're going to play the same. Like, let's talk about play style. We're obviously not going to be switching too much up when it comes to play style when our most creative players that we possibly have in the likes of Jack Carty, John Cooney have been left at home. Like Sam, that's obviously, we're going to be playing similar to what we have been playing for the last couple of years. Uh, I'm going to withhold kind of any comment on that because I do think... Your withhold I, is rejected. Give me the information. Uh, I, I think I was, I was kind of pleasantly... Surprised. Withhold for his own podcast, Master <laughs> of Some. Starts next week. <laughs> I think I was kind of pleasantly surprised with some of the stuff that we were attempting uh in last year's Six Nations before it got cut short. And that wasn't a different set of players, but that was definitely a different play style. And I'm hoping that the Autumn Nations Cup was just Farrell's quick fix because of the how fucked up the lead-up to it was, that he had no chance to implement anything. And I'm hoping that we do see something a little bit different because there, there are definitely, there's definitely ability there. Like, you can't say that there's not, there's not a backline that has either Henshaw, who was brilliant at the weekend, Ringrose, Bundyaki, if you want to put in McCluskey, uh, you can. I wouldn't, but uh, you definitely have Farrell in the centre there. there. There's there's plenty. Like Larmer is an exciting player. Uh, James Lowe, if he gets fit, it's a brilliant player. Like so, there's there's so much potential for some, you know, for a different play style than what we're used to. And I think that Farrell hinted at the start of last year's Six Nations that that's what he wanted to implement. And I personally want to believe, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that this year has just thrown that 
throwing a massive spanner in the works and that we will see it start from now on. Uh, so I'm going to withhold saying that this will definitely be the same play style. The selection of players might hint that, but I do think that all the players he selected have the ability to change up and play a different style of play. Westy, uh, do you want to give me an answer and not be a little girl like Sam? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I agree with what you both said and that the, the selection here doesn't indicate great change to me. You know, but again, I did actually, I was looking at it earlier and you'd actually be surprised at how little caps most of this squad have. I mean, we there's only really three or four lads there that are north of 70 caps. You know, even, I think Robbie Henshaw is only on like 49 or something. So like, there is quite a lot of low cappage there, which is good. It does kind of symbolize that there might be some change coming. Um, but I just think like, there's a soft excuse at the minute where it's like, oh, we can't experiment too much because we need to finish well. Uh, for, for financial reasons because of COVID and all that. It's like, well, look, realistically, we're the third best team in this competition. Like, we can afford, afford to experiment a little bit here, do you know? Like, we can afford to experiment against Italy. We can pro- like, probably afford to experiment marginally against Scotland and Wales. You know, obviously not too much because they're going to Scotland are gonna come out swinging yeah. this tournament because this, this is their chance to really, you know, everyone's kind of on the ropes. And I think this is Scotland's chance. Okay, well, how about how about we go balls to the wall for Scotland, Wales, and Italy, and try and get our bonus point wins, and then we have a bit of fun against England and France. Like, let's yeah. change it up a little bit. Like, let's well, yeah, on your point, we've seen nothing change where we're going to be like. Uh, well, me personally, you can agree or disagree. I've seen nothing that has indicated that. Oh, we've actually got a chance against England and France now. No, well, apart from if they start tight burn in the second row, I think we improve our. Or if half of well, France are missing two, you know, big players, but. You know, going into getting England, we've seen nothing change in the selection or we haven't seen enough style of play yet, obviously, but in the selection where we're like, Okay, that's that's good now. We've we can give we can give giving England a good rattle. We haven't seen anything like that. It, like I think a lot comes down to the first game against Wales. Like we 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 can only obviously we can only speculate until we see what happens on the pitch. I I don't think that again, COVID restrictions do put a bit of a, a hindrance on things that there can't be drastic change because the camps can't be what they would have been you know there was no like carton house over christmas where they could have started introducing a few new ideas and testing out things um and there's been no very very little european rugby so i think andy farrell said that today that you don't really get as much of the high level stuff as we thought we would um but yeah i, I think I, I look at this squad i'm not overly excited yeah that kind of sums it up for me i think that's yeah i would agree with that sam yeah i think are you the kind of same or are you are you going to withdraw from telling your series, yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm not hugely excited by it. I can't see personally how how you can really step up to France or England if you play in any way like the style of play we've played against them the last few years. It's like running at a brick wall at this stage. But I think that there is definitely ability in that squad if you do change the game plan to try and open it up and cause a bit of chaos and run it at them and, you know, get a bit wider. But if you try and beat up England or France, you're screwed. And we've seen that time and time again the last couple of weeks. I hate, to be, I hate to be a spoiler alert for you, Sam, but that's exactly what's going to happen. Nah, Can't I'm wait. Going, I'm Six I'm Nations, put, I'm 2021. I'm putting my faith in uh, Andy Farrell. I'm giving him, I'm giving him the benefit he's of the doubt. On, he's on fucking tin ice for me, I'll tell you that. And I hope he knows that. Andy, if you're listening, you're on tin ice, mate, right? But uh, come on the podcast. We'll have a chat. Uh, uh, all right boys we'll leave it there appreciate it as always and we'll catch you next week good luck bye cheers